But what's happening is something not healthy, <laughs> something quite wrong going on inside the Ministry of Interior. And um, it's causing a problem for Christian organizations that, that work and operate here in the land. Is the interior ministry of the state of Israel turning against evangelical Christians? Hi, and welcome to Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg, a podcast of the Joshua Fund, a ministry dedicated to blessing Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. I'm Carl Muller, Executive Director of the Joshua Fund, and today we're talking with Joel Rosenberg in Jerusalem to answer that very important and pressing question. Hi, Joel. Welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Carl. Great to be with you. And uh, it was great to have you here in Israel uh, last week, As uh, at least as we're recording this. I don't know exactly when it'll, it'll uh, uh, the podcast will be posted, but we just uh, loved having you uh, and, and the Josh Fun team in the country. And uh, it, was a, it was a little toasty. I yes, it, it was Quiznos a little toasty. Tour. Mm, toasty, <laughs> but, but it was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're going to talk about that, I'm sure, on a future podcast. But, you know, it was uh, it was also a time of uh, uh, somewhat uh, controversy and tension that's, uh, that, we, that I noticed. And I know that we've discussed this, and we want to talk a little bit about that today, particularly the Ministry of the Interior and its position around Christians. And um, I guess we could start off, Joel, with asking and uh, maybe helping our listeners understand a little bit what the state of the alliance and the relationship between Israel, its leadership, and evangelical Christians around the world has been, and and really sort of where we still continue to see the, the primary relationship between those things. Sure. Well, first, we have to start on a positive note. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think, you know, in the grand scheme of the last uh, 2,000 years, uh, Jewish-Christian relations are stronger um, than they've ever been. Certainly in the last 75 years, I would say that we've never had a prime minister in Israel who understood uh, the strategic uh, relationship, friendship, alliance between Israel and the Jewish people and uh, the Christian world, particularly the evangelical Christian world, but the Christian world broadly. Um, there's been nobody better at that than Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. And for just umpteen reasons, some of which we've talked about on the podcast, he has proven himself, not just in word, but indeed mm. in, in uh, standing with Christians, reaching out to Christians. Of course, you and I uh, and our uh, evangelical delegation to the UAE, Bahrain and Israel uh, had an hour or more with uh, then former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu at the Knesset about a year ago, roughly. And he, you know, certainly seemed to uh, excited to, to see, uh, to meet with more Christians, but also was excited. He believed he was coming back to power and he certainly did. So I think that's the first thing we need to say. And right. I, let me just note, as we talk about a difficult topic coming up, two more points. One, our listeners, uh, I hope will recall that in March, All Israel News uh, broke that story that two ultra-Orthodox members of the Knesset, the Israeli parliament, had introduced legislation that would put uh, followers of Jesus in prison right. if they talked about their faith with others. And we broke that story. We covered it for several days. And on the fourth day, become such an international uproar over that bill uh, that Prime Minister Netanyahu weighed in and put out a statement saying, no, that'll never, I'll never allow uh, legislation to pass that would harm Christians. So that was yet another ev evidence of how much uh, the Prime Minister um, gets this, this friendship, this uh, the importance of this friendship. But the other point to make is that it's, what we're about to say has so far nothing to do with the prime minister, although he can fix right. it. But what's happening is something 
not healthy, <laughs> something quite wrong going on inside the Ministry of Interior. And um, it's causing a problem for Christian organizations that, that work and operate here in the land. Right. Well, well, Joel, maybe also, what what exactly does the Minister of the Interior do in Israel? I mean, uh, are they in charge of national parks? I mean, what's the the relationship there? Right. So uh, primarily, uh, the Interior Ministry here in Israel uh, deals with legal issues related to citizens of Israel and those who want to become citizens. So anybody that wants to make Aliyah, that's the process of coming from another country as a Jew, bringing your documents, proving that you're Jewish, and applying to become a citizen of Israel. That is all handled primarily through the Ministry of Interior. Of course, other people coming, you know, Ukrainian refugees who want asylum here, even temporary, uh, would need to go through the Interior Ministry and so forth. Uh, There's other roles too. But in this case, what's happening is the Interior Ministry has made a sharp pivot away from policy that was around for at least 40 years. And that is uh, the ministry has, has begun denying consistently for the last number of months clergy visas for pro-Israel Christian organizations that work here in the land to help Jews come and make Aliyah and become citizens of Israel. Uh, for example, the International Christian Embassy of Jerusalem, yeah. the ICEJ, is probably the foremost um, Christian Zionist pro-Israel Christian organization based here in Israel. They have uh, headquarters all over the world as well. Yeah. Their executive director, I know you interviewed at NRB. <laughs> I was going to say. And so that, that interview will air uh, probably uh, you know, later uh, you know, in, the, in the coming weeks, uh, Dr. Jurgen Bueller. And Jurgen's a dear friend. He, he sits on the advisory board for all Israel news. Well, what happened uh, just about a week ago as you and I record this is he reached out to me and he said, look, we've got a huge problem and we've been trying to keep it quiet and deal with it quietly without a big you know, brouhaha. Mm-hmm. But here's the problem. Our, our visas, our clergy visas for our staff that, that come here from foreign countries to help with our work, they just keep getting denied, denied, denied. Yeah. The, the Christian embassy is not the only one. There are other pro-Israel Christian organizations that both help with uh, Aliyah, humanitarian relief, uh, you know, uh, Christian Embassy holds the annual, largest annual uh, Christian conference uh, here in Israel every fall, every September during the Feast of Tabernacles. Right. Four to 5,000 evangelicals come in from all over the world to worship and to study the word and to hear from Israeli leaders and hear from Christian leaders. It's a great uh, event. It's amazing. And the Christian Embassy has been operating with legal you know, agreements with the state of Israel for 40 years, 43 years, actually. They started in 1980, and they had the full blessing of then-Israeli Prime Minister uh, Menachem Begin. So they're not new, and as the name of the Christian embassy might imply, they're Christian. But (laughs) there are bureaucrats at the Israeli Interior Ministry this summer that literally wrote them a letter that said, you're not a religious organization, and therefore you do not qualify for clergy visas. Now... First of all, that's insane. That's and crazy. Second of all, the Christian embassy actually has, I, I spoke to their lawyer and their lawyer said to me on the record that not only is Christian embassy a Christian religious organization, but that they actually have a written agreement with the interior ministry to receive a quota, a certain number yeah. of clergy visas every year and not just Christian embassy, but several other organizations as well. So this is a blatant violation 
of that agreement. It's a yeah. it's a violation of the religious uh, liberties and a little bit crazy because yeah. I don't know that any organization of non-Israelis do more in this unique, specific type of work than the Christian embassy. There's other wonderful Christian right. organizations that bless Israel. The Joshua Fund is one of them. The difference is the Joshua Fund doesn't employ uh, foreign nationals to work inside Israel. We hire Israelis. Right. And uh, so we, we haven't had that visa yeah. issue by and large. So, but this is a problem. And the question is, and, and I asked Jürgen, and he said, I actually don't know. We've been working on mm-hmm. this. It's been a problem actually for several years, but it's gotten worse this year and it's gotten really bad in the last few months. And we finally decided we're knocking our heads against the wall. We're going to go public. Why? Not because they want to fight. They're ready. They're getting ready to go to court if they have to, but they don't want to. But they what he said is, I can't actually tell you, Joel, whether this is a problem from the the minister of interior, who was a new person to the job in the last few months. He's uh, ultra orthodox. He's from the Shah's party, which is not particularly known to be friendly uh, to right. Christians or to Messianic Jews, Jewish believers in Jesus. But it's not clear to the Christian embassy or the others whether this is really coming from him or from some set of mid-level bureaucrats that just have decided that uh, sort of while the cat's away, the mice will play, <laughs> meaning because of five elections mm. in the last three and a half years and the fact that you know, last year, Netanyahu was removed from office because he couldn't put together a government. And Yair Lapid and Benny Gantz and, and Naftali Bennett, actually, uh, who was the prime minister, took made a new government. And so that changed all the top level political appointees and sort of froze what was going on at the interior ministry. And then Netanyahu sure. came back and there was a new set of political leaders. So there's been a bit of, uh, we would say in Hebrew, Balagan, a little Balagan. bit of a circus going on. Yeah, Yeah, it's a good word to learn. And so it may just be that without a firm hand and clear directives from the top, mid-level people who maybe have a political or religious theological animus or a personal animus, I don't know, against these uh, Christian Zionists, uh, maybe they're just uh, doing this and it's not getting to the top, much less to Netanyahu. So they went public. We did a story at All Israel News uh, Haaretz, uh, a left-wing Israeli newspaper, did a story. Christian Broadcasting News has just done a story. Um, my Rosenberg report for this week, um, the first lead story is yeah. this. Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, and it's a problem. I won't go to more unless you want to. But this is actually a part of a larger set of things that are going on that have been a series of attacks and yeah. real problems between some extremist Jews in Israel and well, Christians. I, I- I think we want to get that uh, get into that a little bit after the break because there's a there's a context here and uh, we want to talk about some of the context and some of the reasons why you know right now uh, all Israel news and and uh, Rosenberg report as well as this podcast are taking the opportunity to to kind of talk about these things so we want to set the context but tell us a little bit about this uh, minister Moshe Arbel uh, and his background. You mentioned the Shas party. Maybe, you know, before we take a break here, if you could just, you know, give us a description of of what does that mean to most people just listening who have no really idea about these different parties in Israel? Sure. Well, I have not met uh, Minister Arbel. Uh, Again, he's fairly new to this role. He's an ultra-Orthodox Jew. He's an ultra-Orthodox rabbi. And I'll describe ultra-Orthodox in a moment. He is a member of the Knesset, and he's a member of this party called the Shas party, S-H-A-S, Shaz, and that is an ultra-Orthodox party. Now, what does that mean? 
Well, you know, in the whole spectrum of Israelis, you know, if you go on one end of the spectrum, you'd have very secular, atheist, agnostic, or just not particularly religious type of Jews who are Israeli citizens. And then you sort of scale towards the more religious. You'd have a traditional Jew who says, I don't really read the Torah or the or the Tanakh, which is the, the mm-hmm. whole what we would call the Old Testament. The Torah is just the first five books of the Bible. The Tanakh is the Torah and several other things like the prophets and and the history books uh, and, and of course the the wisdom literature. So what we would call the Old Testament. So they say I don't really read it. I mean, I I go to synagogue maybe on Yom Kippur, the High Holy Day, maybe on you know sure. Passover. Yeah. I, I light candles maybe we do as a family for on Friday nights. Uh, because that's part of the religious tradition. We, you know, so we do some things in Christian terms. We might say that's like a Easter and Christmas Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, I, I'm sort of a Christian. I don't know. I'm not super religious. I don't take it super seriously, but I do. So I put up a Christmas tree. I, you know, they're not really, you know, that devout, but they're trying a little bit <laughs> and then it keeps scaling. You'd have what's then mm-hmm. maybe a modern Orthodox uh, these would be wearing a kippah. They would keep kosher. They, they would serve in the army here in Israel. They, um, they're Zionists. They believe in the state of Israel. They, they vote. They are, they're part of things. And then you keep moving, and then you get to what's called the ultra-Orthodox. Mm-hmm. The ultra-Orthodox are super religious. Some of them are Zionists, meaning they believe in the state of Israel. Some are not, hmm. meaning they're like, until the Messiah comes, we, you know, we're here. We're citizens, but we don't want to have anything to do with you guys, the rest of your country. The ultra-Orthodox generally, though, um, uh, are pretty politically powerful. Uh, they have formed political parties. Shas is the leading party, but there are, there are several others uh, that have a bunch of nuances amongst themselves. But my point is uh, the ultra-Orthodox generally don't want to send their children, their sons and daughters, to the army. They resist that. In fact, they're trying to get legislation passed to say they don't have to. And they've been battling that for a long time, uh, wanting that. And they keep threatening Various governments, you know, if you try to put our kids in the army, we're going to quit your coalition and then you won't be able to form a coalition. Mm-hmm. They demand uh, large amounts of money from the Israeli government budget to fund uh, the men who, uh, rather than work, will study Torah. And so it's essentially a welfare program so that you don't have to work, but you can just, you know, read the five books of Moses and, and mostly other commentaries or the commentaries of commentaries all day, every day except, of course, on, on Saturdays, on Shabbat. So there's a lot of resentment in the country towards the ultra-Orthodox because most people are like, listen, I have to work. I have to pay high taxes uh, to you know, fund our, our defense system and everything. Uh, we pay, um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an expensive country to live in. Gasoline here is like $10 a gallon because wow. we don't have gasoline. Yeah. And, we, and, and we have to send our kids to the army and we don't get to just, you know, sit around and read the Bible all day. And you guys are basically, because you've got welfare and you don't have to work, you just keep having babies. And we keep paying, our, our, yeah. us taxpayers are paying for your babies. Yeah. And so your cohort is getting larger and larger and it's sort of, it's crushing us. Plus, and, you know, and plus they, they feel like, you know, I mean, again, obviously the ultra-Orthodox have a very different view of this. But yeah. I'm just saying that's the part of the tensions. And so many Israelis feel like the ultra-Orthodox are hypocritical yeah. on various issues. But- the ultra-Orthodox say, hey, we're the Jews that are keeping the Torah. We're, we're doing the law. And they, I actually had an ultra, well, 
I had a, an, an Orthodox rabbi tell me once that he considers himself a Pharisee, part of the Pharisaic tradition. Interesting. And we we're so use unused that. to that as evangelicals <laughs> exactly. because we'd say, you want to be identified with the Pharisees? Because we don't see that as a positive. Right. But this person did. And, I, and, and actually, so what I'm saying is, the ultra-Orthodox and even some modern Orthodox, but certainly ultra-Orthodox, their, their view is, hey, you're all a bunch of heathens, yeah. the rest of the country. We're doing what Moses told us to do. Yeah. Now, you and I would say they're doing what Jesus told them not to do. But <laughs> nevertheless, they feel like they don't have any, they don't, they don't, not only do they not listen to Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. They hate many of them, not all of them, but they, they hate the idea of a Jewish person following Jesus. And they're not big fans of anybody following Jesus. They see him as a heretic. They see him as a renegade rogue rabbi. Uh, they see him as a polytheist uh, who's trying to proclaim three gods instead of, you know, hero Israel, the Lord is one, right? So they have a huge, deep theological animus against Christians and certainly against Messianic Jews. Yeah. So they're not interested in seeing any of us as friends or allies. They see us as enemies, and I would argue they see us as threats at times, and therefore they are very forward-leaning when they feel comfortable to do it. They're trying to push, push, push against uh, Christianity and trying to drive Christianity out or at least suppress it here in the country. And the interior ministry, sort of the rules and regulations of daily life inside the country, plus who can come into the country, that has been a key ministry, government department, that they have wanted control of. Sure. For a long time, because, again, they want to be the keepers of what really happens inside the country and who comes in and who can't. So I say all that to say, even though there are rotations of the top minister, the bureaucrats that run the department up and down the system for decades have been placed there, hired there by the Shas party, which is as much as they have been able to asked for and often gotten control of the interior ministry for themselves. So. Uh, that's just an important backgrounder. Well, we're going to we're going to talk a lot more about that when we come back from this break. But um, Joel, thank you for the context because it's it's really important for a lot of people to understand how these situations can impact us. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that on the second half of this broadcast. So stay with us. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Our verse of the day today is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. But I tell you, love your enemies, bless those who persecute you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who mistreat you and persecute you. And our prayer requests today are, number one, to pray for the leaders of Israel, that God continues to help them put aside sentiment and help them make decisions that will enhance the growth of Israel. And second, 
Pray for evangelicals and pro-Israel groups working in Israel that they continue to find favor before the authorities in the nation of Israel. Well, we're back, Joel, and I got to tell you, this is a very interesting subject, uh, particularly for those of us who come in and out of Israel quite a bit and uh, have known people like Jurgen and Vence Bueller who have uh, ministered and uh, served the state of Israel really so faithfully by helping uh, Jews from around the world make Aliyah to to Israel. And and so it's it's fascinating to me. I mean, Christians are really thriving in Israel right now. I mean, they, they continue to thrive, but but this context makes it very difficult. I know last week we had the opportunity, um, and we're going to talk about this, to be in Israel. And we heard from uh, a minister of the Knesset, uh, Matan Kahana, talk about some of the recent tensions between uh, ultra-Orthodox and Christians and uh, Jewish believers in Jesus. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that context and 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 how this you know this certain development in the bureaucracy is is really impacting Christians. Yeah, if it was just the uh, the problems inside the interior ministry right now, uh, resisting you know these pro-Israel Christian groups, uh, that would be bad. But you you know it might be somewhat isolated. And by the way, I, let me just say that in a column I did, um, I, you know, I really called on Prime Minister Netanyahu to intervene. You know. Nobody believes that this is coming from him. Nobody believes this is the policy of the Israeli government, of the Netanyahu leadership. I really don't think until we published our article that he even was probably even aware sure. that this was happening. You know, he's got a lot of issues on his plate. Uh, it's been a long, hot summer. And I mean that literally you were here yeah. <laughs> up in the galley. It was like 108. It was about 99 here in Jerusalem. It was like 115 in a lot. And so, you know, it's literally been one of the hottest summers uh, that people can remember here in Israel. But it's been also hot politically, right? Yes. There's huge judicial reforms, protests, as you and I speak. It was just the 33rd week of massive protests against uh, the reforms that Netanyahu is trying to make in the judicial and legal system. So, you know, plus there's, you know, Netanyahu is being told he he cannot come and meet President Biden. Uh, there's no official invitation yet uh, to come to the White House and meet that's with President another, Biden. That's another podcast uh, so, for us, for so, sure. <laughs> yeah, and Iran's getting closer to, the, to nuclear weapons, and yeah. the Saudis want to make peace with Israel, but they want to make peace with Washington first. There's been a lot of things going on here this summer. So, so visas, clergy visas for the Christian embassy – and these other Christian organizations, uh, you know, this is not the type of thing that normally should be on the prime minister's plate. But but we are concerned, and you know, and we wrote I wrote this column explaining what was happening. And I've already heard back from a Netanyahu advisor that it is on the plate now. Uh, they've got a lot of other things ahead of it, but I'm hopeful that uh, and, and that the prayers of those listening to this podcast, the Lord will take care of things. But yeah. there is a broader context. And for that context, I need to say there's been a lot of physical attacks and verbal attacks and spitting and rock throwing through windows of churches and uh, yeah. against Christians. Now, most of this is not actually happening from the ultra orthodox. Okay, there's a subset now between the modern orthodox and ultra orthodox, and I didn't mention that in the first half, but now we need to zoom in. There, there is a a group of extreme or extremist ultra-nationalistic modern Orthodox Jews. They're not the part of the mainstream of modern Orthodoxy, and they're not really ultra-Orthodox. There are, there are theological and political distinctions there, but they're a small but very aggressive hmm. subset, and they are becoming real bullies 
against not just evangelicals or Messianic Jews. That's certainly happening. We can talk about that. But also against uh, Roman Catholics who live and work here, Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, what we call the historic churches in Jerusalem and and so forth. And I want to say on this podcast something that I actually just recorded for my Rosenberg Report program uh, that'll air um, this Thursday night, uh, end of August, uh, although this podcast may air after this. But I don't know. in that, I, I actually apologize openly to start off the show of the Rosenberg Report to my friend and neighbor, the King of Jordan, King Abdullah II, because a year ago he gave a speech to the United Nations General Assembly uh, in which he said Christianity was under threat, under fire. Uh, particularly in Jerusalem, and he was concerned about it, and he was drawing attention to it. Now, at the time, you know, I was actually shocked by that. I mean, I'm not saying that there, I, I wasn't aware at the time. I was aware that there there have been some attacks and there have been some things, but I, I didn't think it merited mention at the United Nations because that really brings an awful lot of a scrutiny and, and, and criticism of Israel. And I explained why I didn't think, you know, because because you said something that I say in the column, which is Christians are thriving. And that is true. Christians are safer here in Israel than in any other part of the world, though they're reasonably safe in Jordan and the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain and so forth. But Israel is the place of the most religious freedom. And of course, it's a democracy, too. But I have to say, and I and I and I apologize and I apologize on this program to King Abdullah because a, I, I wasn't seeing what he was seeing. And moreover, it's gotten much worse sure. since he said it. And all Israel News has been covering it. Um, and uh, it's just one thing after another after another. Let me just give you a few examples of headlines that we've done. August 20th of this year, okay, Israeli authorities prevent thousands of Christian pilgrims from celebrating Feast of Transfiguration on Mount Tabor. Hmm. That's August, That was August 20th. August 18th. Israel's interior ministry turns against evangelicals, refuses to issue staff visas for pro-Israel groups like Christian embassy, right? We just talked about that. August 17th, condemn anti-Christian attacks, Anti-Defamation League appeals to the Jerusalem mayor. You've got Mm -hmm. Jewish group now, the Anti-Defamation League, seeing these attacks, seeing what's going on. I'll mention a few more of these and saying to the mayor of Jerusalem, hey, you need to step in and condemn these things. August 3rd, 2023, Israeli foreign minister calls to prosecute attackers of Christians without leniency. Hmm. Okay, that's, so that's a good thing. Right? You have the ADL, yeah, yeah. you have the, uh, the foreign minister of Israel saying, whoa, what's happening? Yeah. June 19th, stones thrown at stained glass window in the room of the Last Supper causes damage in latest anti-Christian attacks. Yeah. I'm not going to keep going, but there was a concert in June, uh, a thousand Christians and Messianic Jews coming to King of Kings Community Church in Jerusalem, the largest congregation in Jerusalem, uh, for a concert. And these ultra-nationalist, yeah. extremist Jews came and were pushing, shoving, harassing, screaming at these Christians trying to get into the concert. It got so bad, uh, an 82-year-old man was punched in the back while he was trying to protect a nine-year-old child from this mob, it really created a riot. The Israeli police had to come. They had to escort these folks into uh, the concert. A month before that, the week that you were here for the, the Jerusalem prayer breakfast, uh, you'll recall that a group of evangelicals who were here for that week, yeah, some of them for the prayer breakfast, some for other, for just to celebrate Pentecost, they were praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Right. 
uh, at the southern steps, which is right next to the Western Wall, and the same group or same type of group of ultra-nationalist extremist bullies, Jewish bullies, came and were pushing and shoving and, and screaming and cursing and telling these Christians to go home. You have no right to be here. You have, like what happened to this is going to be a house of prayer for all the nations. Right. That's in their text. Yes. That's in the Old Testament. That's in the Jewish scriptures. What about uh, the fact that the, the, the prophets say that, you know, in the last days, you know, 10 Gentiles will tug at the cloak of, of a Jew saying, hey, take me with you to yeah. Jerusalem, right? But we've just seen one thing after another after another. And, and so even the Israeli president, uh, Isaac Herzog, just and, and that's a that's a headline I just skipped over. I apologize for that. Yeah. I, just, I was just going through them. But the point is, he actually went to a church, uh, an Orthodox church in Haifa, mm-hmm. up in the north of Israel, just a few days ago, to meet with the Christian leadership there and publicly condemn the types of attacks from these extremist Jewish bullies. Yeah. And so it's getting noticed by the president of Israel. It's getting noticed by the foreign minister of Israel. It's getting noticed by other Jewish groups, not just by Christians. And of course. I think King Abdullah may have been the first to, you know, there were obviously other Christians, but he he sounded the alarm bell a year ago, and it's much worse today. Yeah, I think that's very insightful of you, Joel, to connect those things, because sometimes we hear things out of the, the Arab world, and, you know, we immediately just sort of wall against, you know, uh, condemnation of Israel, because there's just so many factors in that. But you, you've really said, you know, this is someone whose opinion, whose uh, support of Israel um, among Arab leaders has has been uh, strong. But is well support you know, of the I, peace I, process. I mean, exactly. yeah, I mean, King Abdullah has, you know, he's managing a country that is not they're not fans no. of Israel, but they don't want to be the chaos of Yemen or Syria or Libya, right? So King Abdullah is. Is is you know he, admittedly he's 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 walking through a minefield, sure. but he has a peace treaty with Israel. He's keeping that treaty, he, but he cares about what's going on in Jerusalem, right. and he cares about the Christians and the Muslims and the Jews here. And uh, he has spoken out, so I owe him that apology. I am issuing that apology. I will send that as a formal apology uh, tomorrow, actually, to him. So th- and with a list of what I see happening and why he was right. And I was wrong, but we need our people to listen to this podcast, to be aware of it, because, again, I want to be clear. And I know you see this the same way. We are not condemning the Israeli government or the Israeli people for this. But we've got to condemn the specific acts of violence as we would to act an act of Palestinian violence against a Jew or an act of terrorism. I mean, this hasn't risen yet, thank God, to the act of, of killing any Christian but this is not right uh, in a country of such pluralism and religious freedom. That's right. You and I were uh, taking a tour with the with a uh, group of uh, evangelical pastors that we had brought to Israel. We'll talk about that in another podcast. But as we took the tour of the Knesset, right, they show us the case where the Declaration of Independence is. And they read part of the Declaration of Independence. And in fact, on a future show, we should probably walk our way through that Israel's Declaration awesome. of Independence. Yes. Because it says right there, you have freedom of religion. And uh, that's a very important element right from May 14th, 1948. But it's not being carefully enough guarded and protected by the Israeli government, by the Israeli police. Much more needs to be done. And I think at this point, we really need to ask and pray that Netanyahu, because he loves Christians so much, that he will intervene to make it clear to every cabinet minister and every bureaucrat, listen, these types of uh, 
acts are not acceptable. They'll be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. And within the government itself, the policy is to be pro-Christian, not anti-Christian. Absolutely. And I think we heard while we were at the Knesset as well, you know, the difference between not supporting Israel, you know, and deeply being uh, against Israel is not the case here. This is, uh, it's those that care and that support and that love Israel that can can also bring uh, legitimate critique of certain things that are going on. And, and much like those of us in America who would criticize, if you'd call it the deep state of the bureaucracy, you know, right. opposed to certain this elements is, here. That's a great, that's a great phrase, because that is what we're seeing. The deep state. This is, is a bureaucratic machine that is working in this direction, not necessarily even the leadership of those of the government uh, there in Israel. Um, so I think it's important for people to understand we're not undermining or criticizing Israel's in so much as we're saying this is a thing that is happening and um, those that love and care about Israel should make a difference in praying about this. So, well, Joel, what do you think uh, about this, uh, whether the government would pay attention to some of these things and maybe as it gets on the plate, because uh, this could potentially be a diplomatic disaster, could it not? I mean, this is something that could be uh, really a black eye again in Israel, and we're trying to you know, not have those things happen, correct? So I'm going to give an example of, of how sensitive it is to me. So the question is, if we're, are we going to do a podcast about this? Because we're asking Christians to consider coming with us in November on a once-in-a-lifetime, come see Israel, come tour the lands, meet believers. And then you, but a person might hear this podcast and say, well, I'm not going to go to a country that treats Christians that way. Well, the country isn't treating Christians that way, exactly. but there's a spike in a problem. It comes from a certain two streams and actually extremist streams within those streams of, of Judaism, a certain type of ultra-Orthodox Judaism and a certain type of ultra-nationalist uh, extremist modern Orthodoxy. And But those are not illustrative of the broader uh, movement uh, of religious Jews. Now, religious Jews here in Israel and in America have strong theological disagreements, and they have a lot of anxiety about should we build friendships with Christians, and they are particularly sensitive and sometimes hostile, at least in their hearts, and sometimes in their words, towards Jews who believe in Jesus. Uh, I just recently had a modern Orthodox Jew um, that I was having, I thought, a reasonably good, healthy relationship with who texted me and said, "I, I have to tell you how much I abhor you. I'm like, whoa, where did that come, right? He, he suddenly has turned on me because he's decided that he doesn't want to be identified as a modern Orthodox Jew with any Jewish person who believes in Jesus. Um, wow. But, but he's, not a, he's not an extremist. He's just somebody who has a strong theological, and therefore he's turned that into a visceral abhorrence, I guess. That's his yeah. word, not mine, against me. So I don't want this to discourage. It may discourage some people listening to say, well, I'm not going to that country. Well, so several things. First, um, uh, we just had 40 – pastors and their wives here in the country. They weren't Amazing. spit on. Nobody threw rocks at them. Nobody, right. like they, there was no problems. Like it, for the, in the day to day, most believers don't even experience this, but that's what news is, is when something out of the ordinary happens, we cover it. Right. And when you see a trend, a trend that even the Israeli president, uh, the Israeli foreign minister and others are starting to speak out on, then, you know, then it, you know, it's not just us, but I, I want to say, I want to encourage people to come. And part of that is a key phrase here. And it's, it, we've talked about it from the first podcast, I think, unconditional love, right? We don't have to agree with everything that anybody does, a Jewish person, an Israeli thinks, does. We still love them. It's like, we don't, I don't agree with all my Palestinian friends on their 
their uh, theology, their politics, their eschatology, sometimes even their basic daily practices. I still love them because Jesus loved them, right? Jesus was loving people, right? He was loving people that were killing him. Mm -hmm. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's the ultimate love if you're laying down your life and you're asking God to forgive the very people who are killing you unjustly. So we're not facing that. So let's make sure we take the same level of love and forgiveness. And as you just read from Matthew 5, I believe it was, Maybe you want to read that one more time. Like we're supposed to be praying for those who are persecuting us. Yeah. Some of this, I wouldn't even say rises to the level of persecution like a, a China or Iran or sure. you know Pakistan, where they're burning down churches right now as we speak. This is harassment. This is resistance. This is, uh, there's a, I would say, a number of other words. But even if you call it persecution, okay, yeah. pray for those who persecute you. Love, bless them, love them, lean forward yeah. in unconditional love. But you can call them out. You can ask for legal things to be done to protect the believers. Absolutely. Yeah. But well, let's, not, know. Let, let's not let that let, develop a root of bitterness. Right. In fact, I would say come and let's pray because there's no better way to stand with Israel than to stand in Israel. Yeah. Well, you know, Joel, I, I agree with the, everything you just said there because it's, um, you know, for many years I worked with uh, Brother Andrew, and one of the things that he said about Christians in America was that often we weren't persecuted, we were intimidated. And I think this is maybe an attempt to intimidate Christians yes. from a bureaucratic uh, standpoint about keeping it um, away from the idea of persecution. I mean, we would certainly say it's a sign of healthy democracy. It's a sign of strength of the state of Israel's um, protection or or commitment to religious liberty that Christians like us at the Joshua Fund and like other Christian organizations can say to the government, hey, this is happening. I mean, you would never say this in a country like Iran to the Christian community. Right, they'd there. say, exactly, it's happening. They'd go, we, oh, we where are you right. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So I think it's an actual uh, important component of the dialogue that we have to have with the Israeli government. And, uh, and I so appreciate your orientation and your tenor on this because it is out of love and it's out of support and a blessing to Israel that we say, can we work on this, guys? Uh, is this a problem? You know, just call out a problem for what it is, uh, a problem that needs to be fixed. Yeah. Yeah. And the and, and last point I would make on this part, part was uh, it was wonderful to spend time in the Knesset, in the actual parliament building. Uh, some, most of the group had never even been to Israel, so they'd certainly never been uh, to the Knesset. In fact, one of our staff mentioned to me, wow, I've been with the Joshua Fund for a long time. I, I've actually never been to the Knesset. So that was very special that we were able to go. And then to sit for... I don't know, 45 minutes, whatever it was, with uh, the man who is a modern Orthodox Jew, is a member of Knesset, and in the previous government had been the Minister of Religious Affairs, not the Minister of Interior, but the Minister of Religious Affairs, and trying to build bridges between Jews and Jews, uh, very religious Jews and more secular Jews, but he's seeing so much tension that he said, I needed bodyguards 24-7, not to protect me from Palestinian terrorists or Iranian terrorists, but from ultra-Orthodox and, and these, these sort of extremist Orthodox Jews who wanted to do me harm. That, that was a very interesting conversation. And we commended Matan Kahana because uh, you were there at the, when, when he briefed us at the, at the uh, Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast in May. He apologized uh, at that time for the harm that was being done, the, the verbal and physical attacks against Christians. And, I, and, and we brought that up. Uh, we thanked him again in person for him standing uh, with Christians, even though he disagrees with us. He doesn't agree right. who we believe Jesus to be. He doesn't see it that way, but he's a good man. 
and he's trying to do the right thing and, you know, may his tribe increase. Amen. Amen. Well, Joel, this has been, a, I think, a, a very important and very fascinating conversation around this issue and uh, the, the steps that uh, we as believers uh, here in America and around the world listening to this podcast can take to bring to attention those things that, that are happening right now in Israel. Oh, and, hey, oh that's yeah. right. And, and Carl, sorry, one more thing. It's just sure. coming to mind. We also, of course, had lunch with a former interior minister, right. Matan Sharansky, mm-hmm. which we'll, I think we'll talk about in the, in the next podcast or in another podcast. But so Natan Sharansky, Jewish hero, and eventually became the deputy prime minister of Israel, a, a dear friend of mine, and a great one, of, probably I mean, arguably the, the most important Jewish hero, um, or one of them in the top 10 yeah. uh, of the last uh, you know half century. And he had lunch with us. He was a former interior minister. And I can tell you, none of these problems were happening when he was the interior minister, right? Yeah, and, sure. and, and to this moment, here he is sitting with 40 pastors and their wives, even Jalkals, He's a Jew. He doesn't see it, you know, Jesus the way we do, but he's willing to welcome us and sit with us and answer our questions. That was a great time. So there's two examples of a religious affairs minister who's religious and a former interior minister who is not religious, but his wife is, not Tom Shransky, who, uh, who love Christians and appreciate um, Christians wanting to stand with Israel. So I, I should have mentioned that sooner. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's a wonderful uh, point to make. And we'll get into that uh, conversation and many others that we had on that recent trip with the the pastors uh, in a future podcast. But I know we want to also talk about just what a what a conversation that was with uh, uh, Natan Sharansky um, as a Israel Prize winner, which is essentially the Nobel Prize for Israelis. <laughs> and um, yeah. he's on and a winner wall. of the Presidential Medal of Freedom uh, in the United States and yeah. the Congressional um, Medal of uh, gold medal as well. I mean, yeah, it's amazing. quite a hero. Well, there's so many things that we can talk about. That's what I love about this podcast. Uh, every dimension of the engagement with Israel, the, every engagement with uh, the entire epicenter region, and all of those things are really part and parcel with what we deal with on this uh, podcast. So I don't know sometimes whether we're going to talk about uh, biblical history, uh, prophecy, uh, current ministry, or the political and geopolitical dimensions of Israel in the modern world. I can tell you, it's always fascinating talking with you, Joel, and uh, really appreciate the these, uh, these conversations that we get to have. Well, I love it as well. Thank you, Carl. Well, and and to our listeners, if uh, if you'd like to learn more about the Joshua Fund, you can visit our website at joshuafund.com. And there you can learn about what God is doing in the Middle East through us to bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus and how you can participate in the healing work we're doing in this critical region. And as always, you can check out our show notes for anything you heard on this podcast that you'd like more information on. And for Joel Rosenberg, I'm Carl Muller. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Epicenter. Hi, this is Joel Rosenberg, founder and chairman of the Joshua Fund, and I've got exciting news. In 2023, I'm inviting you on behalf of our entire board and staff to come to the Holy Land, to come to Israel on the next prayer and vision tour. This is the 75th anniversary of the prophetic rebirth of the modern state of Israel back in 1948. And what is God doing here? It's amazing, spiritually, economically, in so many ways, there's been so much growth, so much progress, but the best is yet to come and we want you to see it we want you to walk where jesus walked we want you to see where the apostles ministered we want you to see where people's lives were transformed by the love of god and the power of the holy spirit we want you to see this city where jesus died 
and rose again and where he's coming back, I hope soon. But in the meantime, come to Israel with the Joshua Fund. You can learn more about the trip, the itinerary, the cost, all the details at joshuafund.com. But sign up quickly because I think this thing is going to fill up fast. The Prayer and Vision Tour of Israel in the fall of 2023. I hope to see you there. This is Chris Christensen, and back in 2006, I started a simple project, a project to try and introduce more people to the Bible through Bible study called the Bible Study Podcast. It's a simple name and a simple idea. Each week, every week, we study one chapter of the Bible, talk about what it says and what that might mean for us today. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for the Bible Study Podcast on your favorite podcast app.